We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast, a weekly faith-fueled podcast that aims to inspire and encourage you on your walk with Christ. Each episode is designed to explore different aspects of Christianity, from biblical teachings to personal testimonies, all that help you deepen your understanding and relationship with God. So whether you're a new believer or a seasoned Christian, our podcast is a place where you can feel supported, challenged, and empowered. So join us every Friday as we delve into the Word of God and share stories of faith, hope, and love. Thank you for tuning in to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm here with my co-host, Brother Brandon. How are you doing today? It's a pleasure to record another episode with you. So just tell us how you're doing and introduce us to the topic at hand that we're going to discuss today. Doing very well, Brother Chris. Appreciate that. And we're going to be talking today about making proper plans. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very easy for us to make plans and goals and then expect the Lord to follow them. Right. But this passage of scripture in the book of James warns against such planning, the kind of planning that foolishly assumes that we have ultimate control of our lives and futures. Right. We're going to be looking at James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, where James basically reminds us that we are not in the driver's seat of our lives. Mm -hmm. We are not steering the ship. We are not on the throne of sovereignty over our lives and wills. Uh, the Lord God is. right, And so James, as we're going to see, he rebukes Christians or really anybody that presumptively boasts and plans for the future without any consideration of God's sovereign will. Mm -hmm. And James also encourages us to adopt a humble stance, acknowledging our creaturely limitations and submitting to the will of the Lord when it comes to our plans. That's the only will that ultimately prevails. Amen. And so let's dive into this, first of all, by looking at verses 13 through 14. I'm going to read those verses. Mm -hmm. James says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Hmm. So first of all, James introduces the faulty viewpoint of planning for the future that he wishes to rebuke. So in other words, James is saying, look, this, this is the perspective not to have. Mm -hmm. This is the attitude to avoid right here. And what is the perspective and attitude that we're to avoid when it comes to Planning out our future? Well, any planning that excludes God's sovereign plan. Right. That's what he's talking about here. Now, there's nothing inherently wicked or sinful about planning for the future. Uh, let's just get that out of the way. I want to clarify that. The Bible doesn't say you can't save up for a vacation. Mm. It doesn't say you can't schedule a lunch with your neighbor or prepare oh. <laughs> for many years to send your kids off to college. You can plan all you want to. In fact, the scripture commends 
planning for the future, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Right. Such as in Proverbs 21, verse 5, that says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Mm -hmm. So even Proverbs says, if you plan, it'll lead to abundance. If you don't plan, it'll lead to poverty. Right. So there's nothing wrong with making plans. The problem is making plans without any consideration or regard for God's ultimate plan mm -hmm. and for his providence and sovereign will. Right. The, the issue that James is addressing here is falsely thinking that you have the inherent ability to control your life's future. It is sinfully arrogant and prideful, quite frankly, for us to expect something to happen simply because we've put it on our calendar. Yep. And so thus, the person James rebukes here is one who makes plans for tomorrow, thinking that they're in control of tomorrow. Right. And James humbles us by saying, additionally here, how can you plan for tomorrow? You're, you're not even there yet. You don't know what tomorrow will bring, he says. Mm -hmm. You don't have a clue what's going to happen tomorrow. So why would you be so confident in your own plans? Right. He says, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. And that's where this humility comes in. He says, look, you, you can never know the future. You can't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, 24 hours from now. You can speculate about tomorrow, but you'll never be there right. until tomorrow becomes today. And today becomes yesterday. Mm -hmm. Only God knows the future comprehensively and perfectly. And so what we need to do is humbly submit to whatever his plan is for us. It is good to have goals and aspirations for the future. But sometimes there's some unexpected twists and turns and hurdles and hills that are going to be in our future. Things that God has laid on our path that we just can't see right now in the present. Right. And we need to be humbly open to those unexpected things along our path, mm -hmm. those things that God has planned for our tomorrows. And moreover, James even says here, it's kind of foolish for us to pridefully plan for tomorrow when we might not even make it to tomorrow. Right. That's why he speaks here about the brevity of life uh, by saying, in verse 14, what is your life? Well, it's like this. You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Mm -hmm. Now, that's pretty short. Yeah. If you think about the morning fog, it appears for just a short time, just a brief amount of time, mm -hmm. and then the sun comes up and dissolves it away, and you'd never know it was there before. Right. And James is saying that's exactly how our lifespan is. We're just here for a short, brief moment, especially in comparison to eternity. And he's saying, we got to be careful about planning for tomorrow. We might not even be there because our life is so short. Uh, I like the message translation of this in verse 14 where it says, you don't know the first thing about tomorrow. You're nothing but a wisp of fog catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. And again, that's exactly the way our lives are and why we need to be discerning about the future and especially full of faith that God's plan for the future for us is going to work out and submitting all of our plans to his ultimate will. Right. Now, Chris, what, what do you think James is trying to say to us about 
planning for the future here? I think what you brought forward is is exactly what James is calling out right here. He's calling out the the busybodies in this passage, as I would call them. And I think as we continue with the theme of pride and humility, we see that you must have a lot of trust and pride in yourself to make such large plans as, as we referenced above to go out and, and make a profit over here for a year or so, mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm having a hard time just figuring out what's happening an hour away from now. Right. Right. But, but so to, to have such a confidence and trust in yourself and your plans really speaks to a point of pride. And as you said, this isn't to say that you can't make any plans at all. Mm-hmm. And I think this is somewhat clarified in verse 15 as we get to that portion. Uh, but this is pointed towards a person, as you said, who has a lot of plans that aren't in submission to the will of God that it's about a person that makes plans without even considering what God's plans are. And just think about how, how that goes about in just regular life, making plans without involving someone else in any type of relationship. And if, if our relationship to God is supposed to be the most important relationship, he should be involved in all of our planning. Right. But if I were to plan a vacation without my wife, First off, I'm going to plan it wrong because I'm <laughs> right, just yeah. not I'm not good at that. And uh, secondly, you know, e- even with good intent, sometimes uh, to bring that forward and say, you know, I didn't involve you in this part of my life, and I, I didn't even ask what you wanted to do, will leave a lot of of things out that may have been more pleasing to my wife or may have even been something that I didn't realize I would like, I I would miss out on because I excluded her from that part of planning. So uh, we we definitely should not exclude God from our planning. And I have a personal Mm -hmm. testimony on that as well. I I live in Southern Illinois. First off, Illinois... uh, uh, Enough said there. You don't have to say too much about that. I'm, <laughs> I'm in the I'm in the southern part of Illinois right now, and it's a very overlooked area. It's not a place that I ever planned myself to to be at, but I knew that God was calling me forward. But I'm a person that really likes to make plans. If, if you don't understand that, just ask Brother Brandon. He serves at a camp with me every summer and he knows how I plan, plan, plan and how mm-hmm. irritated I get when those plans are not. Yeah. yeah. Strict yeah. itinerary. <laughs> yeah. I like to have a strict itinerary. I've been getting better with it since I've had kids, but either way, <laughs> I, I had this plan in place when I felt God's call to, to leave Murray, Kentucky. I knew he was leading me somewhere, but without consulting him, I started planning out where I was going to go. I had this grand plan to do something pretty good, actually, to go out to the unchurched areas of Tennessee and and start looking for places to do church plants because there were a lot Hmm. of places in especially very populated areas that were underserved, that didn't have enough churches, and it was a need. And so I started getting in contact with people and working things out, and it seemed like a great idea, but guess what? It wasn't where God was calling me to go. And so 
time after time, these doors were just shut in my face. And finally, when I involved God in the planning and I said, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Which should have been the first thing, right, Brother Brandon? Oh, yeah. That I asked him, what do you want me to do? He said, here, let me open up the doors away from these big cities and let me take you out to small town, rural, southern Illinois, place called Cave-In Rock. Uh, mm. I, I don't live there currently. I live a little further down the road, but Cave-In Rock, population 200. Uh, if and That might be adding more than is actually here. <laughs> but it is important to involve God in the planning because I promise you, you might have some grand plans, but without seeking the will of God, He's not going to bless those plans and you will not find joy in those plans if God has not led you there. But ultimately, this whole passage, I think, is concerning a person who is more worried about their pleasure rather than God's pleasure, God's will. Mm -hmm. And that would be a person that's very worldly and not to say that it's necessarily uh, non-Christian as Non-Christians do go where they please when they want. They're only focused on their pleasure. But that's something that shouldn't be involved in a Christian's life. Mm-hmm. And as we've said many times before, who is James writing to? He's writing to believers. Correct. And, and so he's saying that believers are really acting like worldly people in this respect, that we're making plans for our pleasure rather than for the pleasure of God. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, the the problem with making these grand plans, just like you said, Brother Brandon, we don't know what's going on tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know what's going on tomorrow, let alone a year from now, because life is like this whisper in uh, the New King James Version, uh, which is the version I read quite often. Is It says, life is a vapor that appears a little time and then vanishes away and though we don't know what tomorrow holds ourselves guess who does know god does therefore we must take our plans to him we must seek his will and follow in his path because he knows the obstacles that we will face tomorrow he also knows the obstacles that we will face a year from now Mm -hmm. so if there's anyone that needs to be involved in your planning we should let God be the one involved in our planning. And Proverbs 27, one says in accordance with this, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. We are stuck firmly in the present. We, we can look at the past, but even the past gets a little bit foggy to us as we right. sit here. Uh, but we are stuck firmly in the present. We have no idea what each second holds for us i don't even know if i'm gonna make it through this episode right i I hope i really hope i do but i don't know (laughs) i hope you do too (laughs) so yeah Uh, who's gonna who's gonna air it if i if i go down because i know there's all the airing for it and whatnot (laughs) but you don't know what's gonna happen so yeah we need to go to the one that does know and that is Mm -hmm. god And I believe that there's an even deeper call to this. I think all scripture really leads to a call to salvation because even if it's written to believers at this time, there might be people in the midst who said they were believers that aren't or might even be unbelievers in the midst that are hearing these words. And so I believe this is a call to salvation for we realize that 
as we read this, we can't plan on putting our faith in Jesus tomorrow because we don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow. Therefore, today is the day of salvation. So if you're not a Christian, this is a good understanding to take that don't plan another day to put your faith in Christ. Don't plan to try and get yourself right over the next year before Mm -hmm. you start uh, looking in to what he has to offer this salvation or going to church or whatnot, go ahead and take those steps today. Go to church, whether you think you're qualified or not, because guess what? None of us are truly qualified for, for God's redemption plan. Uh, None of us truly earned salvation or deserve salvation. We deserve condemnation and judgment, but we came to Jesus. Jesus did the fixing. We didn't wait for tomorrow. We let him start today. So I'd encourage you, put your faith in Christ. And so instead of making plans without putting God's will first in our lives, here's the mindset we should have as we continue on and read verse 15 through 17. And it says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. And that's something I think you should underline there at the very beginning. If the Lord wills. If the Lord wills should always be our mindset. If the Lord wills, I will go to a city and live there a year and buy and sell and make a profit. If the Lord wills, I will take this job or that job. If the Lord wills, I will do this or that. If this is our mindset, then what we're doing is we're involving God in every aspect of our lives. And Paul's an example of this as he's leaving the temple after teaching and Many people wanted him to stay. We see this in Acts chapter 18, verse 20 through 21. It says, when they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he said, sell from Ephesus. And so he could have said, oh, yeah, I'll be back. Right. And, you know, good intentions are there for him if he says, Mm -hmm. I'll be back. But he wasn't sure. He also did that to the church of Corinth in first Corinthians four nineteen, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills and I will find out not the talk of, uh, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. And so he focused on the will of God before he went anywhere or said anything. If God's going to allow me to do this, if it's God's will, it's going to happen. And so as much as Paul would have wanted to stay with one group or make haste to another group, he understood it was not about his will, but it was all about the will of God. And thus we see once more how James and Paul's messages are in pretty good unity right there. But we jump on in verse 16, we see that to boast in yourself, your boasting is arrogant. Your will is arrogant. Uh, And boasting in yourself is evil for there is only one that we can boast in. Mm -hmm. That's what we 
see in Psalms 34, verse 1 through 3, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And another thing that Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, I, I love this passage right here, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which mm. the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And in that boasting of the cross of Christ, he, he makes this clear understanding that he has been crucified to the world, meaning his will has been turned off. His will has been set aside and he is putting the will of God before him. And then we go into verse 17 here as well. This, this whole thing about uh, knowing uh, to do good, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. And there's really a, a lot of understandings I've read uh, to this, but ultimately we're called to follow God's will. We're called to search for what pleases him and to be pleasing to him. And that's something James has talked about throughout his, his letter here. Uh, but ultimately, when you start making plans without involving God and you put your will before him, that is simply not good. And right. therefore... Making plans without him and without involving his will is sin. That story I told you about me making plans without him, guess what? That was sin. I was convicted of that as well. That was something I was distressed over. That was something that eventually when I, I finally knelt down in prayer and I, I love my wife so much, she's such a godly woman. She's the one who finally said, you know what? Is this where God is leading us? Let us pray about this. And when we did, when we prayed about this together, we found out involving God showed us that we were planning to go somewhere he hadn't called us. And that was sin in my life. That's something that I had to give over from God. But we must always remember to follow God's will. And simply, that is good. And if you know that that is good and you go away from it anyway, then guess what? That is sin. Even if you have good intentions, that is sin. Right. So I think I've said enough. Uh, Brother Brandon, why don't you give us your take on verse 15 through 17? Sure, I'd be glad to. So just going back to this powerful statement that he makes in verse 15, where he says, look, what we ought to be saying is, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Mm -hmm. um, let's just Let's just unpack that a little more. So, James has already identified the wrong perspective in the beginning of the passage. The perspective that basically says, you know, I'm going to do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make any kind of plans I want, and God is going to fall in line. That's sin. <laughs> That's wrong. Right. The right perspective is saying, okay, I'm going to plan for the future to the best of my ability. But whatever unfolds is up to God. And I'm content with that. Mm -hmm. If God wills for my plans to transpire, then God be praised. Right. If God wills that my plans fail and crumble, then God be praised. And that's the attitude we ought to have. Mm -hmm. But 
I like what you brought out, Chris, in that it's not that we should just humbly acknowledge that God's will matters more than our planning. We also need to put God's will first. Right. In any planning that we pursue, we need to do what Jesus says to do in Matthew 6, 33, where he said to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Right. And that's what we need to do. We need to seek God's will as it's revealed in the scripture and let that dictate all of our planning. Mm-hmm. Make our plans in accordance with what God has already told us to do in the scripture. Right. And um, speaking of this uh, attitude where we where we trust in God's ultimate will, there's a, a great story from church history where many of the early Methodists would always sign their letters and cards with the initials DV. Kind of a strange, bizarre thing they did, if you don't know the background there. But the reason they would always uh, sign their letters and cards with DV is because those initials stood for the Latin words Deo Valente, Mm -hmm. meaning God willing. So it didn't stand for a name. It wasn't an early form of P.S., it's, it stood for God willing. And so anytime they would write letters that talked about their plans for the future or when they wrote cards to their friends saying that they intended to visit them, they always acknowledged that their plans may or may not happen. Mm-hmm. It was always up to the Lord's will. And that's something we need to sign on all of our plans as well. This should be an asterisk on all of our planning. Every plan that we make for the future ought to have as its preface and footnote not to be ignored, Deo Valente. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, later on in verse 16, James comes back to the boasting and arrogance that you talked about that leads to this faulty planning. And he just simply says, look, here's the bottom line. Planning without consideration for God's plan is evil. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, that may be some harsh truth. That may be a hard pill to swallow, but it's it's the truth. It's not an oversight when we do this. It's not a slip-up or a mistake or an accident to make plans without consideration of God's providence. It's actually rebellion against God. Right. And as a matter of fact, it could be deemed even atheistic mm-hmm. because such arrogant plan-making acts and believes as though God doesn't even exist mm-hmm. and has no control of the future. Right. And that's definitely not some shoes we want to put ourselves into. Oh, yeah, not definitely not. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's really, I believe, what James is getting at here when he says that if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, that is sin. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, that's a general principle, right? That right. if God tells you to do something, and you know that it's right to do it, and you don't do it, then that's sin. Of course, that's mm-hmm. a general principle about knowledge and sin. But what he's saying here about those things is pertinently applicable to the subject right. at hand. What he's saying is that if you know that the right thing to do is plan wisely and leave the rest up to the Lord, mm-hmm. and you fail to do that, it is sin. When you neglect to do what you know you ought to do, that is a sin in God's sight. And so James is trying to get us to avoid falling into this sinful pitfall by simply saying, look, 
I'm going to plan for the future as best as I can, but my future is in God's hands and I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, the word amen. We, we use it a lot and never really think too much about it. But when we pray, we say amen. Mm -hmm. When we even hear a point sometimes and, in scripture, as we're talking, sometimes I might say amen, you might say amen, mm-hmm. and concerning some of those points that are very agreeable. But what we're saying is, so be it. And, and right. the, the long definition of that is, so be it in conformity with the will of God. And, and mm-hmm. so we, we need to take that into a greater consideration as well, that you know, when we, when we pray about these plans too, what we're saying is God, you know, if, if it's your will, then let me go here, let me go there and make a profit or do this or do that. And so ultimately every time we pray, whether it's about situations or plans or whatever it may be that we're lifting up to God when we say amen, what we're ultimately doing is we're submitting it to the will of God. God, if my words that I have spoken don't conform to your will, then take this as a useless conversation that you toss to the side because mm-hmm. it, it's I'm asking amiss, as scripture might put it. I'm asking amiss, throw, right. this, throw these words into the garbage or conform myself to your will, answer this prayer help me through this plan in your ways and help me to put my ways to the side. And so think about that when you say amen, that Mm -hmm. you're saying, so be it in conformity to the will of God. And so when you pray about the plans in your life, remember at the end of that prayer, and when you say amen, you're saying, so be this in conformity to your will, God, let your will be done and not mine. But again, as always, it's been a joy to record another episode with you, my brother. Uh, Do you have any last thoughts before we dismiss and you pray for us? Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought that out about the true meaning of amen, because Mm -hmm. we really see that exemplified in the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. You, You will remember that he was about to drink the cup of God's wrath on the cross and and prior to going up the hill of Golgotha, he is praying in the garden of Gethsemane Mm -hmm. and he is in turmoil. He sweat like drops of blood and Mm -hmm. he was just trying to get the disciples to comfort and surround him. They couldn't stay awake and you get this picture of Christ as all alone. And, and he has this perspective on doing God's will where he put the father's will first. Right. And he prayed says he knelt down and prayed in Luke 22, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Right. Saying if it's up to you, God, if you want to do this. And he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Mm-hmm. So even Jesus, our Lord, had this surprising perspective where he said, it's not about me and my will. Father, it's all about you and yours. Right. And obviously, if that perspective was good enough for the sinless uh, Son of God, then we sinners should certainly adopt that same attitude when it comes to our plans for the future. Yes. Amen.
Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Well, let's uh, ask for God's blessing on us and and pray that uh, he might help us to trust his sovereign will as we try to make plans for the future. Father, we thank you for this insightful passage in, in the book of James that encourages us to trust in your providence and sovereignty. Yes. And we thank you that you are in control of our futures and that as you promise us in scripture, you'll work out all things uh, for our good and for your glory. And so give us the grace to leave tomorrow up to you and give us discernment when it comes to planning for the future. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, help us to adopt this awesome perspective of our Lord Jesus Christ, where we put your will first and put ours last. Mm-hmm. Bless all of our listeners and uh, be with them as they live faithfully for Christ. And we thank you again for this podcast and pray these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.